Hello, welcome, welcome, welcome. Peter Melton here with Debo Zarco and our special guest, Michael Shaw. We got to do an introductory interview with Michael about his process in making the documentary Living in the Time of Dying, which dared to look at our current predicament of, of what's happening to our systems and our planet, and here we are. Um, Debo Zarco uh, wrote a book called Beyond Hope, and a bunch of podcasts and articles dealing with how we how we grapple with all of this. So Deb, uh, welcome, and Michael, wow, Thank here you. we are. Thank you put that. your you put right. your documentary out uh, almost a month ago now. It's it's mm -hmm. August of 2020 right now, and how does it feel to be you having having taken all that in and then put it back out? But here you are, August 19th, 2020. <laughs> What's it like to be Michael Shaw? <laughs> well, I, I feel it's, it's a bit of a surreal feeling at the moment. Um, I'm still having just released that. Uh, I've just sort of coming back into a little bit more empty space around my life um, outside of the drive to complete that. So I think I'm still landing, still early days. I'm still landing. Um, yeah, that's what I'd, what I'd say. But I've had beautiful feedback about the doco too. You know, a lot of people um, have been moved to tears watching it. And, you know, that's been, it's been really touching to receive that kind of feedback. Yeah, thanks. Tell us more about that. So you mentioned in the other interview that you went on a 10-day silent retreat, maybe Vipassana? Mm. Was it a Vipassana? Uh, not as organized as that. Okay. Not as organized that as that. But, you know, same principles, if you like. Yeah. yeah. Take yourself more, away. More organic than that. Yeah, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. And, and so you've received, obviously, feedback now that the movie's been out. Tell us a little bit more about the feedback and how that's felt in your body and in your heart. Um, well, a lot of people, I, I was surprised, um, but a lot of feedback about Stan's ceremony story, um, a lot of people were really deeply touched uh, by Stan's ceremony story at the end of the doco, where he's talking about his first ceremony as a boy which was really just being present to nature. Um, and his grandfather was with him and just sort of slowed him down and got him to look and, you know, nature came alive. Um, and I, I felt like, like I, I'm lucky where I live. I live in a very you know, beautiful part of the world and I get to go out, you know, into the forests or down to the beach, you know, you know, if not daily, then, you know, certainly, a few times a week do I get to do that but I it just struck me from some of the responses that people feel quite separate um, from the nature around them uh, for, you know quite separate from to, to, to the living world that's around them and when they heard Stan talking about it I, I think they were really touched it touched something and that's my interpretation of why that piece was so touching for people but um, you know a lot of people I think just felt too that they had been feeling the same things and they didn't feel so alone when they saw someone else going through it and, you know, grateful to, you know, to resonate with someone who's in the same kind of place, that kind of thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and you mentioned in the other interview too that time is a weird thing now and, and that you're not in the old world of capitalism, if you will, where there's this big push yeah. to, to yeah. win and succeed and yeah. get it out there. That yeah. you, and then you did this silent retreat and you're like, 
I'm sensing this almost like I did that, but I'm not attached to it so much. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, you know, I mean, uh, look, <sighs> there's so many difficulties that are around at this time and um, you know, so much, so much grief, so much loss, you know, the loss of, you know, in the natural world and is beyond comprehension, the pace that it's running at. So not discounting all of that. Um, I feel in my system a, a much deeper freedom to simply be uh, than I have ever felt before. There's nowhere to get to. Um, and, and, you know, even these hierarchies, you know, uh, maybe it's a man thing where you kind of put yourself somewhere on the pecking order, you know, when you're with people and, you know, I'm down there or I'm up here, even the hierarchies, that whole thing, it's just, I feel like so much of that is just melting away. It's like, we're all in this together, all at the same time, no matter what we're doing, no matter what we're earning, no matter how many spiritual retreats we've done or we haven't done, no matter what our attainments, we're all in this thing together now. And it's a shared humanity um, that, that, you know, that, that really does uh, wake me up daily to what's important. Mm. You know, I'm, and I'm sure you both can relate to that, you know, that, that, that feeling. Yes, absolutely. Uh, about what's important. And yeah. Um, yeah uh, you know, like I mentioned in the last interview about the whole, this whole COVID thing that's been coming up too. It's, um, it's been an interesting uh it's been interesting observing how, you know, I hear you talk about how we're all in this together. And that seems to be one of the taglines that's going around globally about how we're all in this thing together. And in some ways it seemed like that in the initial stages of the, the COVID lockdown that we're all in this together. And, you know, there were reports about the canals in, Venice yes, clearing yeah. up and yeah. the skies the clearing. And I certainly yeah. noticed about the skies. I noticed that here and it was quiet. It was lovely. It was, it was disorienting. You know, whenever I did go out for a drive, the roads were empty and it was beautiful. And one thing I noticed too, is that there was far less roadkill on the road too. So the animals were getting a break too. And there was something really, um, like I said, disorienting, but also really beautiful in that. And and then things started to slowly open up. I'm, I'm not sure, like I know the US is having a really hard time with this pandemic. And I, I think that Australia is doing well and Canada is doing well too. And so things start opening up. And now um, the people who I knew who had a really hard time slowing down initially actually fell into the groove of slowing down. And now that yeah. things are ramping up again, they're really excited to go get right back into business as usual. So as I mentioned in the previous interview, I just see that as a sign of the collective consciousness of where we're at and how that's just another symptom of the inevitable collapse and extinction that we're talking about. 
So I guess um, what I'm getting at is that people seem to have this, they gravitate towards the word hope, mm. hoping that things will get back to normal, hoping that, you know, there's going to be a techno fix, hoping that the green new deal is going to work and somebody's going to fix it. And um, my curiosity, I guess, with you, Michael, is, uh, you know, your documentary was very realistic which is something that I'm incredibly grateful for because there's inevitably in everything I read or everything I watch, there's uh, there's always something that says it's really, really bad out there, but if we blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. so I, I guess I'm, um, I'm kind of going organically here to get to the question because I don't really know what it is. It's just coming out of me. <laughs> um, it's just, it's about hope and hopium. Like you didn't, you, you didn't provide us with any in that documentary, which I found very refreshing. And I'm wondering how it was for you to be so raw and real in that respect with everything that you presented there. Because you were, you didn't present us with any hope or hopium. And you also, it, for me, it felt like it wasn't, it's really bad, but we can blah, blah, blah. It's, yeah. it's, it's really bad. And here's how we can live. Yes, 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 yes. yes. So I'm curious okay. just to kind of let you, I'll just give it, hand it over to you and just let you carry on with this, this yeah. train of thought. Yeah. I mean, look, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a it's a profound doorway to walk through that one, isn't it? And yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I mean, and I know you've well and truly walked back and forward across those, you know, across that path many times. Um, I, I was lucky enough to have Catherine Ingram in my life uh, for a, you know, right when I was coming into this, and who held me in the in the place of don't give it up give up hope and I I think my personal interest you know because I, I don't think we have any uh, so so I don't have any interest in sort of gravitating towards what's not real um, if I thought that there was real hope then I'd be the first one out there in front of it I, I, I don't see that it's based in any reality so I want to live in reality Yes. Um, and when you live in reality, then uh, what are the possibilities from that place? Like what, what, what opens when you come back into the place? I mean, you know, the truth is, and, and I, I'm sure that I've heard you say this as well, Deb, but the truth is we're all going to die. We're always all going to die, <laughs> regardless of whether there was a, you know, climate catastrophe or, you know, we're all born uh, with death coming at some point sooner or later. So uh, it's a full, and you know, of course, you know, years of spiritual work where you sort of, the idea is to contemplate your own death and realize, you know, where we are on that, on the scale of time, but it, it's, it's here now. Um, we can't get away from it. And I think I'm just more interested in what happens when we go with, reality 
uh, and how to live in, in the face with our feet on the ground, um, uh, looking straight ahead, if that makes sense. Absolutely. That's really beautifully put. That, yeah. that makes so much sense because I feel like there's a lack of groundedness with hope. Mm. I have a lot to say about hope. I mean, mm. I wrote yeah. the book Beyond Hope. So. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, I figured. I just, and I know what the way you, it's really, you've just articulated it beautifully. Like mm. hope is, I, I don't know. Like I just find that for myself when I let go of hope, which I recognized as, uh, as a, diluted form of denial when i let go of it i just felt like i felt relief actually i felt immense relief inside of me that i finally like i feel like hope is is the last holdout from reaching acceptance and there's such a sacred i don't even have the language but there's just there's a sacredness to letting it go and reaching that place of, of full acceptance and life just, I can, I finally understand what presence actually is. Mm, yes. yeah. 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 And like the work of Stephen Jenkinson, right. To be hope free. Yeah. And yes. Carolyn Baker, amazing work on this topic too and, and others, but, but it's like, we never even un dared to really unpack death. I don't think no. for ourselves. Right. And, and so we're just, it feels like as a, as a greater species, we're just beginning to unpack death or what does it mean to, to live with death in mind, which was a, a tagline for a well, guy McPherson and Carolyn Baker wrote the book, uh, extinction dialogues, daring to talk about this and to live with death in mind. And so many spiritual programs talking about that, 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 you know, life isn't the opposite of death that birth is, if you will, the opposite of death that are all within this thing of life. And, and we're, we're beginning to reframe that for ourselves. And, and when we reframe it, like you were saying, Deb, uh, hope is, hope is interference. Yes. I mean, uh, I think it's, I think it's good to like, there's something about, um, there's something about this topic too, that you kind of, in order to give up hope, there is also an embrace of sadness uh, yes. and fear. Um, so it doesn't come without sadness and fear uh, and, and um, maybe some longing for the past where we didn't have these feelings. It's, it's, um, it's not a state uh, that you kind of move into and let go of an old state. It, it, it's kind of all messed up together. And I, I don't yeah. think, uh, you know, I feel I just want to sort of say giving up hope doesn't mean the absence of grief or fear or <laughs> reminiscing or any absolutely of it. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I, I feel like, yes, absolutely. And I feel like if anything, it allows more of that to emerge. Yes. Yeah. More, more grief, more sadness, yeah. and also yeah. more tenderness. Yes. More cherishing of yes. More moments. cherishing. More presence. Yeah. You hit and it earlier presence. that that that's yeah. what COVID. Well, I guess this whole climate thing started me down that path. But COVID, boom! 
COVID just brought it so present because yeah. the analogy that came for me is I'm on a hike and I can't look out over the vistas anymore, mm. right? I can barely see the step in front of me. Mm. And in that presence, I realized how much I had future focus yes. and how much I had future focus with, the, with my work in climate change yes. and not just my own life, but that's mm. so much energy on what's going to happen in the future mm. that when COVID hit, I found I've been just blown wide open with my creativity within mm. this presence that it's like, it's now, it's now, now, now. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Cause there's no, yeah. there's no certainty. Not yeah. that there really was before yeah. there was familiarity and there was, yeah. there was what we were all comfortable with. And yeah. now that's been yeah. shattered even though yeah. there's this mad push to to grab onto the fraying threads of what's left of it mm. you know people like ourselves know that it's it's it doesn't have a, a, a it doesn't have a long lifespan anymore it's like trying to i don't know breathe life into something that's yeah. well well on its way to dying you just can't yeah. you know it's time yeah. to it's time to let it go but it's that's not going to happen so yeah hospice yeah. right the word hospice, yeah. hospice yeah. is and yeah. yeah what's what's your take on that michael where do we where do we find ourselves and and how do you personally move into this next phase yeah well it's a good point i, I mean i'm thinking of catherine who always who talks about this? It's like being in hospice with a well body. Um, mm. uh, so we get the benefits of a well body, uh, but the experience of being in hospice. And I mean, I I I, I feel like I'm a student of the times. So you know, I, I feel like there's learning every day around how to be, you know, you know, some days where I feel my uh, natural tendencies to impatience or uh, irritation come out, you know, that get examined under the microscope of, you know, is that necessary now? Um, you know, times where I do just completely forget about what's going on altogether and get very caught up in wanting this or wanting that or, you um, uh, just basically forgetting about where we are. And then it, then it'll come back with a wave, you know, I'll watch a, I'll watch the, the wind blow over a leaf and I'll just, you know, just feel the beauty of it and the preciousness of it. And, you know, the passing nature of experiences like that. And it stops me in my tracks, but it, it's, there's no, there's no sort of straight through line other than, as I said, you know, I feel like I'm a student to the times and, you know, to do the, to do the best I can. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I want to say, when you say that, what comes to me is a student of the moment. Yeah. Right. That, that all there really is, is this. Yeah. And, and we've always known that yeah. <laughs> quote unquote, right. Yes. Yes. Black yes, on yes. the wall and everything be here yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, but, but what does that really feel like embodied? And I had the experience today. I went and had lunch at the beach and just 
and I'm just finishing lunch and just looking at all the people, yeah. right? And I'm just like, people, wow, right? Bird, waves, that there's so much beauty that we've learned to take for granted. Yes, yeah. And, and mm. gotten so lost in our disconnection to each other, yeah. to ourselves, to our creator, to nature, yeah. Yeah. To, to all yeah. of it. Yeah. And gotten, just gotten so, the forgetting has come back so blatantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But those moments are precious when the, when the, when the reminders come um, about the preciousness of what you're seeing. So, yeah. Yeah, one of the things uh, this, this um, you know, the pandemic has shown me too is how much I took for granted. And now, you know, when, when, uh, when we were all forced into social, social isolation and at that time, you know, my partner of 20 years had just left me just before the pandemic. Wow. So it was, it was, you know, I was already going through the shock and the grief of all of that. And then this pandemic happened and it really was, <laughs> it was a, massive catalyst for personal growth very quickly and it showed me like i said how much i had been taking for granted and that's why now every relationship i i hold as so sacred right now and it doesn't matter what our differences are anymore because the love and the connection to me is far more important than anything else so there you know there are there, there's a lot of good that's coming out of this awareness of biosphere collapse and pandemics and, you know, all the other stuff that's unfolding. And it's just, I, I feel like, I, I feel like a student as well. I feel like a total newbie because you just never know. You think you can, you know, I've been talking about this for a few years now and then the pandemic hit and it was like, oh my God, a whole other series of learning learnings has been occurring and continues to occur and it's very humbling i'm finding all of this is incredibly humbling and it's also really showing me how much love i have for for the people in my life for the animals in my life for what's left of the natural world and just like um you know when you were when you were talking michael about the wind blowing over the leaf it's just noticing all those little things i don't know they just seem they seem more important now than ever mm. so i think that you know when we stop taking things for granted it just brings this beautiful tender sacredness to life mm. and you know now that we're we're navigating biosphere collapse and imminent extinction along with the uncertainty of, uh, you know, our global civilization falling apart because of this pandemic catalyst. Mm. We have a lot of opportunities to really be present because mm. <laughs> it's, it's like we don't have batteries for the flashlight to look into the future anymore. Mm. That's what it feels yeah. like to me. Yeah. Yeah. I have a question for you, Deb, that, you know, that I, that I'm wondering from after you say that. So obviously the heartache of a separation 
after, you know, 20 years. Um, when you're carrying that alongside, um, you know, direct seeing of what's happening um, in, the, in the larger world sphere, do they feel like the same grief? Do you know, you know, when you've got one grief on top mm. of another grief like that, how, how do you manage that, you know? Well, you know, it's, if you asked me a few months ago, I would have said not very well, <laughs> but now I've got six months of space between it. So I'm able to, I, I have a little more clarity around it. And I, you know, I recognize things about the relationship that were, it should have ended a lot sooner than it actually did. So there's that clarity, but the grief initially was, um, oh yeah, I think it's, uh, I would say definitely comparable because there was, again, there's the future focus. So if I think about it from, from the grief that I experienced when I, came to the realization with those dreams that I was having about the ocean and finally I accepted it. It was, it was overwhelming because I knew that there was no future to look forward to anymore. And I needed to find meaning in my life in the face of no future. Mm -hmm. And we're so conditioned to be future focused, you know, work for your future, work for your retirement, get married, have kids, blah, 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 blah. You know, yeah, the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's all future focused. Ever be educated for the future. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. then, you know, with Work my for your retirement. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The whole thing. Yeah. So we're, we're never present because we're yeah. always focused on the future in the present. So live your life so that you might get to heaven. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the ultimate future focus. <laughs> the yeah. ultimate. Keep, yeah. Do yeah. your spiritual work and then maybe you'll become enlightened, you know? Yeah. Or you'll have <laughs> so, a better life next time around, you know, if you go for the reincarnation, <laughs> you know, it's never about this one, is it? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you, you hit on something, Deb, that uh, what, what are our sources of meaning, right? That, that the future was our source of meaning, that I'm going to get there, that I'm going to have the success. I'm going to get the validation. I'm going to get the girl or the job or the money or the whatever, right and then i'm going to be complete and and so it was always just out there yeah and and when the future is foggy when we pull the future out which we've yeah. done here with COVID yeah. in particular yeah. it's like whoa where's my source of meaning i don't get it from my work right now i don't get it from my travel right now i don't get it from my future right mm -hmm. now yeah. and it feels like for me it's forcing my source of meaning to be now yeah yeah and that's the ultimate challenge because now is <laughs> now is still is very disorienting yeah yeah really well <laughs> it is when you're future focused and oh right when you're future focused but now yeah. that when you're future fu yeah when you're future focused i mean even tomorrow is future focused so yeah, it's, it's, I, I find it disorienting still. I mean, I'd love to say that I'm fully present all the time, but then I think I turn into a pillar of white light. And well, you're just going to the future, right? Right now you're present. Look at that big grin on your face. You're beaming right now, right? But, right, right, yeah. So we just, we just stay with the now as much as we can, and then we laugh at ourselves when we catch ourselves thinking about tomorrow or next year or 20 years from now or anything and, and have, have ways and mantras and practices to bring us present. 
right? Mm -hmm. That's how it is for me. It's a, wow, what a great conversation. And to, mm -hmm. to, to allow ourselves the time to sink into this, this, you know, we still got a half an hour in this interview to mm -hmm. stay on this and to, to continue to, to pave a try a trail mm -hmm. for people to feel into this. Well, I'm curious on this, this topic of meaning, how are you finding meaning in your own life, Michael, with all of this yeah. stuff unfolding yeah. in this crazy yeah. reality we're living in? Well, I mean, I, I, um, I mean, I, I, I've just heard you refer to it a couple of times, Peter, so I, we may have a bit of background in common, but I spent a lot of, and I know you've spoken about, you did a lot of inner work um, earlier in your life, Deb, as well. But I, I, I grew up, you know, in and around ashrams for a long time, and you know, you know, mountains of personal therapy, um, you know, to trying to deal with my own, uh, I don't know, tendencies, I guess, or disconnection from people, or sadness, or what, whatever it would be. But I. And there was meaning that I was finding in that, but as it turned out, as I've become aware of what's going on in the world, as I've really opened my eyes, I don't find meaning in those places in the same way that I did. Mm. So, so a lot of that meaning evaporated, you know, and I love how um, Michael Dowd, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Michael Dowd, but yeah, um, yeah. yeah, he's awesome. But uh, when he, he has this sort of semi-religious take on it where he talks about um, the natural world as the greater thou, when we approach it as the greater thou and not the lesser it. Um, and so I feel like a lot of my meaning making is of um, resonating with the beauty of nature uh, uh, saying goodbye to the beauty of nature, being present to nature as it changes. And can I love nature as it changes? Can I stay in a loving relationship with the natural world uh, as it goes through these changes that we have created as a species uh, to not hate myself as a human? Mm. Um, that, all that feels like genuine meaning. And I look back at the meanings that I was making previously. Um, and they feel like so, I mean, I guess they've all helped me in a way, but it feels like so much dust now, um, comparative compared to this focus that's present. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Wow. Mm. Yeah, that, you know, the, that hating of myself or hating mm. of humanity. One, one time a line came out of me that was like, I want to have empathy for my species. Yes, see. Right? And it's like, wow, where'd you come up with that? Right? It's mm. like, because we are this naive being, mm. right? That, and another analogy I use is we're third graders and we've been put in front of a 1500 piece puzzle. Mm. Right, that we don't seem we don't seem to have the the ability to deal with complex issues, and and yet here we are, all of a sudden going, huh? What do you, what do you mean? What we've been doing isn't working. What do you mean? We're 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 running up the credit card earth, and and I've hit my my limit. Right? What do you mean? I have to to give up my my luxuries and my conveniences. Mm -hmm. 
I was born on the party train and I know nothing other than that. Mm. And now you're telling me I have to jump off while it's going. Mm. <laughs> right. And, and then all these sources of meaning that were linked to all those things that were the party mm. train mm. and, and just so much. Wow. I loved that piece of my interview with Stan. Um, it, was, it was probably one of my favorite bits of the whole experience uh, when he goes, when he was talking about, um, you know, you're, you, we're, we're children of the earth. Um, and the, the mother, mother earth loves her children. You know, no matter what the trauma, no matter what's happened, the mother loves her children. Mm. And, there was something about that that it still resonates. The, the, the beauty of that statement still resonates. Like, so even as we, you know, who knows if we're going extinct or not, but certainly there's going to be a massive loss of population. Things are going to be, you know, very, very different, you know, if we, if we don't go extinct. Um, but that idea that even in that process, the earth loves her children, mm. all of her children, all life forms, uh, but of which we're one, um, the earth still loves us. And there's, there's, there's something in that I, I just find relieving when I think about the sort of the incredible narcissism, stupidity, violence, you know, degradation, you know, that this species is possible, you know, that this, this species, you know, lives in those kind of ways and has done which is why we're here, uh, just to remember that, that the earth still loves the essence of us somehow is, mm. gives me something. That is gorgeous. Mm. That is gorgeous. Because you said earlier, this, this tendency to want to hate myself for being mm. part of this, this tendency to want to hate my species yes. for what I've yeah. done, what we've done to, my, to yeah. the mother, Yeah. right? And that very human feeling of, of hurting your mother. Yeah, yeah. We can just... hate the state of mind. I think we can hate the state of mind that brought us there, mm. uh, but not the species, not the essence of humanity somehow. Do you know what I mean? Like there's this massive mistake we've made as, mm. as, a, as a, you know, collective here. Um, but, I, you, know, you know, we're better than that. You know, so somewhere at heart, I think we're better than that. Yeah. Yeah, staying on that thread, this feeling of that, that in, in even in this mindset, to say I've harmed my mother is creating this separation that, that we've bought into that I'm separate from the yeah. earth. Yeah. Right. And, and here lies, I think, the, the grand unraveling mm -hmm. is that we, we bought into the separation mentality. And, and I think at the grandest, at the grandest, grandest scale, we, we set it up that way. That, that somehow life decided to let it be okay for a species to try to figure out separation. Right. Amidst a very confusing storyline. Right, where we strive for love, but love is the most confusing thing you could ever dream up. <laughs> right? And and we get this big dose of separation that we think we're separate from everything. 
and that we're supposed to do this on our own. And then we wonder why we feel alone, right? And we try to connect with this feeling like we're all one and we're all in this together, but it doesn't quite make sense and it doesn't quite click. And, and yet I am the earth happening, right? At this very moment, Deb and I are working on a collage for me that helps me to remember that I'm not just Peter, yeah. right? That I am in fact, the whole human family happening but wait, I'm the whole earth family happening, but wait, I am the earth happening, right? And we learn to self-identify with not just Peter, who's trying to figure out this crazy game, but that I'm in fact the earth happening. And then we go another level. I'm the earth and the sun happening, right? If the earth doesn't fall in love with the sun, none of this happens, right? And, and then it's even bigger because there's a solar system that's happening. There's a galaxy. I am the galaxy unfolding as a solar system, as an earth sun, as an earth, as an earth family, as a human family, as a Peter. Right. And when I dare to self-identify with all of that, all the way back to the, to the grand mystery, right. That, that we are the mystery emerging 14 billion years, as we understand it, continually emerging. And this is the cutting edge. This now is the cutting edge of the universe emerging in this one thing called Peter and this one thing called Debbie and this one thing called Michael. And that brings me that same kind of, oh, that saying, you know, the mother loves her, her child. Yeah. The, yeah. the mystery loves the process. Yes. Which is me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Beautifully put. Beautifully put. Mm. Yeah. And isn't it interesting that um, when you were talking about the separation, Peter, I mean, I write a lot about that in blogs and in my books about the separation. And I just, I look at how this, this COVID reality that's unfolded has caused even more separation between us. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, um, how there's this dysfunctional view now that expressions of love are about social isolate is, isolation. I can't even say the mm. word cause I yeah. don't resonate with it. <laughs> it's, a, it's about social isolation, wearing masks and gloves mm. and mm. not hugging each other six feet apart and blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, it's just, we're just creating even more division. And, and one thing that I've really noticed is that there's, it's polarizing us even more. So there's a lot of dogma that's attached to this whole cultural narrative that's that's new and unfolding globally there's the the people who buy the narrative without question and then there's the people who resist it unflinchingly and so there's there's so much polarity yes and i don't i don't consider myself i don't buy into it and i'm not resisting it i just choose to live differently i choose mm. to look from a more expansive lens mm. transcendent if you want to call it and just recognize that this is this is not love this is love is love is connection we're a tactile physical species we need that physical tactile connection to feel, mm. Mm. to feel meaning mm. as a species. Mm. You know, we're no different than any other species where there's 
there's tactile physical connection. And so the way I look at it, I just, I feel like, and I've said this already, you know, a couple of times, but I just feel like this is just another sign of how close we are to our end, however that looks. I just feel like this is just another massive sign of, yeah, closure for our species. Mm -hmm. So that goes just kind of following the, the separation thread. I know like it's, <laughs> it's not super cheery thinking, but. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't sign up for a cheery interview. I yeah, no, we didn't. We didn't. I just, yeah. I, I know, I just, I, you know, when I feel like when I, I can get, I can get, well, in the beginning, I can tell you, I got really worked up when they started making masks mandatory. I actually had a panic attack the first time I wore one. I thought, I can't do this. There's nothing authentic about this. This is not, this is, it, it just seems all ridiculous. I can get away with a bandana now for 10 minutes and I shop as little as possible. But I just, I find the whole thing so insane. And I was getting myself worked up into a lather because I was like, I can't stand this. This is stupid. People aren't questioning it. They're just, they're just yeah. blindly buying all of this. And then I realized, you know what? I can get myself all worked up and, and, be just like irritated about this constantly or I can just step back and observe this from a different perspective and look at the bigger meaning in all of this. Yeah. And, and like I said earlier, again, this just brings me, brings me back to love and it brings me back to compassion and tenderness and caring. And I realize I don't want to argue with anybody. You know, I honor people's beliefs. If they mm -hmm. want to, if they don't want to hug me anymore, it makes me feel sad, but I'll honor that. And I just, and then there are people that, you know, they could just, uh, anyways, I just see the whole thing as a metaphor mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. the direction that we're already, that we're already yeah. going and that you, mm -hmm. you presented so beautifully in your documentary, Michael. Mm -hmm. So it's just mm -hmm. another layer of, yeah, the same thing. I mean, I, I um, uh, we haven't been hit very. Australia's been pretty lucky, actually, and it, where I live, even luckier. I know in Victoria, down south, you know, they're on curfew from eight pm to five am at the moment, and um, masks are compulsory, and you get fined if you're outside of your house outside of those times, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Oh my! But, wow. Yeah, so they're in heavy, you know, they're in stage four or five um, lockdown. But I, I, for me, the COVID, what it's doing in my mind, it, it, all these structures that seem solid, and, and you know, I, I was aware of, um, you know, the, the, the coming breakdown. I was aware of that before COVID started. But then COVID comes in and all these solid structures suddenly aren't solid there's this sort of mm -hmm. wave you know businesses you know retail restaurants you know sports uh, all these things that that have been sort of these bedrocks of society nothing's solid uh, yes. anymore yeah. and so i feel this fluidity of, of i can see where we're going before it was theoretical <laughs> and COVID's got me like, okay, I, I can feel how this is going to be now when yeah. all these ideas of reality start falling away. This is, um, this is sort of practice 
for the main event, you know, that's coming in a way, it, it starts to get my psyche adjusted. That's, mm. you know, that's my take. But I, but I do hear you around the loss of connection and love and hugging and touch and, and all of that that's come in through Corona, um, you know. Yeah, and you know, and I live in Canada, and we re we have not been hard hit either. And yet, the fear mindset, the whatever they call it, like protecting us or whatever it is, is they're protecting us through preventing us from from connecting. And one thing I've certainly noticed through the people that I know, I don't know anybody who's been hit by COVID. I don't know anybody who knows anybody who has been impacted by COVID. But I know a lot of people who have had and continue to have emotional and mental issues with the, the separation that's being imposed in the name of safety. I, I actually, I don't know a single person who's not being negatively impacted in that way. I know several people who are doing their best to adjust to it and they're, they're rationalizing it. But when I read between the lines, I can tell that they're hurting too. There's a sadness, there's a global sadness and I'm certainly, uh, there's a sweeping sadness of all the people in my life and it doesn't matter where they're at um, in what they believe in our reality. Like I have a sister, for instance, who believes that everything's gonna get right back to normal again in the fall. And that's already being proven wrong because um, they don't even know what they're gonna be doing with schools in the fall. But that's her way of coping through this. But most people I know just are carrying a heavy sadness about all of this. And I feel like that has the greater, that's been the greater, that's been the silenced killer in this whole pandemic is how it's affecting people's livelihoods, their people, the people's sense of meaning, people's um, you know, emotional and mental state. And, um, and yeah, it's been interesting to see how it all plays out. Because when I step back from this reality and I look at it from a broader perspective, I, I, I completely agree with the, what you said, Michael, about how it's just like, it's like the precursor to what's, it's like warm up, a warm up for what's gonna really happen when the shit goes down, yeah. which is happening pretty quickly when you look at what's happening up in the Arctic these days. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're with, yeah. Uh, we're with Michael Shaw, who, who uh, birthed the documentary, Living in the Time of Dying. What does that title mean to you, Michael? Yes, well, it's a good point. You know, Catherine Ingram gave me that title. And um, uh, I, if you come from the perspective that, we, that we're in the time of dying, so, uh, you know, sort of early on in that doco, I sort of make that, I try to make that pretty clear that uh, we're here, this is happening, this is now. Um, but the focus of the documentary really is how to live in the time of dying um, and how to find uh, purpose, meaning, life, um, how to be in life, uh, you know, at, at this time, 
And I, I think, you know, I'm just wondering if I should share this, but I will. Um, when I first really got exposed, when I first came to this is where we are, there's no avoiding it. Things are going to get really messy, um, you know, horrible, you know, on just about every level you can think of as uh, the, 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 you know, our species either contract, contracts massively in size uh, or goes extinct. Um, I was living with this thought of, well, the best way for me to approach that is when it gets difficult, I'll choose an exit that pleases me. I'll go at my own time in, in a way that I choose, right? Rather than the 101 different ways that I was imagining that that end might come. And I think it was really Stan meeting with Stan and partly Dar as well, that, that, that brought a change to this of um, how do I live? How, do, how can I choose to live in a time of dying in a meaningful way uh, uh, with, uh, you know, as Stan would say, following my sacred obligations as a human being? And... So that thought really started to land rather than how do I get out of this before it gets too hard to how do I serve this situation in the fullest way that I can, um, at, you know, and live my life to its end date, uh, living in the best way that I can. And so the title, the title speaks to that in me. It's living in the time of dying. Um, you know, I, I know that's a that's a big topic to open up there, but um, but that's yeah. what it means. That's what it meant to me. No, that's that's beautiful. Mm. That's that's saying it in another way, but in a, in a way that sometimes doesn't get talked about. So yeah. thank you for going there, yeah. because being in this zone for as long as I have now, about over seven years of daring to talk to people about who do we become. If in fact these systems are collapsing, which seems certain, I don't know that there's a single human system that's working right now, yeah. right? And you look at the Arctic and you, yeah. and you really start to understand what the melting ice means, mm. let alone what's happening to the yeah. oceans yeah, and yeah. the trees and the, yeah. you name it. Yeah, anywhere you look, right? Anywhere you, you look, yeah. you can't yeah. really dream up a scenario where this turns around without some miracle, right? Yeah. And some people hold out to that last thing. You know, you never know. You just never know. Maybe yeah. Gaia has a miracle up her sleeve and yeah. she's going to say, The miracle up her sleeve would be to take us off the planet. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Before it's too late. Hey, none of that. that would be the miracle. None of that, Michael. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. but daring to daring to go there, right? That this is the next level. Yeah. So if we're living with death in mind, if we've all gotten a terminal diagnosis, mm. right? Our species has gotten a terminal diagnosis. Now we don't know how long we're going to have this cancer, if you will. Yeah. It could be tomorrow. It could be that we go along with this craziness for five or ten years, yeah. right? But much longer than that, you can't. I can't imagine things being anything near normal right? Or what we've called normal. So who do I become? Who do I choose to be in this moment? 
knowing that I have a terminal diagnosis? Yeah. And that's a whole different question than we've ever asked ourselves, unless yeah. you got a terminal diagnosis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I always, you know, I, I look, the truth is I hope that I'll be someone that I'm going to be proud of. I mm. hope I, I don't know till I've, till my, you know, the, till the rubber hits the road on that, but I go there with my deepest intention of how I want to meet those times. And I, I'm thinking about um, uh, Victor Frankl, you know, the, mm. the book of search for meaning and, you know, his description that, that you know, there were some people in the camps, the concentration camps, uh, who were giving their last bit of bread away as they finished their lives. Mm. They were sacrificing, staying alive for another day or two to, to help somebody. And um, I hope, my hope for myself is that I head more in that direction than, um, you know, you know, getting in a death struggle with someone for that piece of bread. That's my hope for myself. Yeah. Um, you know, but I, yet to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. But see, this is too, this is where my red flag goes up about presence. Because when you say hope, you're going to the future mm. and you're hoping you're going to be good in some future moment. Mm. And in, in this moment right now, Michael, mm. August 18th at almost eight o'clock PM <laughs> Pacific time. Yeah. Hope doesn't play. You're, you're daring to share your truth mm. in this moment with Debbie and I, and that's all there is, mm. right? That's mm. all there is. Now you can have this thinking that just for a moment, I sure hope I do good. Boom. Get myself back because yeah. hoping I do good starts with now. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you're doing good now. And that's all yeah. there really is. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true, because we, you know, it's possible to imagine any number of horrendous future possibilities, you know, which I'm, you know, can tend to on a bad day. So it's, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> or even it's, imagine uh, <laughs> good futures, right? Or even to imagine good futures takes you away mm. from now. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with imagining good or bad futures. We should we should make ourselves aware of the possibilities, but then get on back, mm. right? Because <laughs> how's that line go? If you want, if you want fear and worry, go hang out in the future. If you want guilt <laughs> or shame, go hang out in the past. But if you don't want any of that, then get yourself back here. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. well put, that, Peter. Yeah, well put. That, and yeah. there we are, daring to assist each other in yeah. coming back to the present. Yeah, yeah, well put, well mm. put, yeah. Wow, beautiful. Mm. Beautiful. Let's uh, let's move into closing statements here mm. and take three or four minutes each to to kind of put a bow on this thing with mm. with where this has brought you and I almost said where you want to go next, but that's another one of those things, right? Mm. Next is 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 mm. the foggy of the future. Mm. I don't want to know next, mm. right? What's what's now? What else is alive now that you mm. want to share at the end here, Deb? Mm. Don't you go. Well, this has been a great conversation and yeah, see, great conversation. really great. And I really love what you said, Michael, about how you're a student. And I feel like there's just um, endless opportunities for learning throughout these, <laughs> these multiple realities that we're all navigating together at the same time. And I just, 
for me, my ultimate goal, if you want to call it that, is to be as fully present mm. as often as possible. Mm. And no, not stop. get stop. Fully present now. Fully present now. <laughs> that yes. now is all there is. Sorry, had to. Well, had yeah. To... I mean, I do get caught up in the worry and the well, anxiety yeah. and the regret, and you know. So, yeah. so the 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 less I can bounce between those, the better. And so that's mm. my my aspiration mm. as I keep moving into these mm. multiple realities. And I feel mm. like it's. Uh, it doesn't really, it's, it doesn't take effort. And I'm sure you can both agree because as, as things just seem to close in on us, it feels like presence becomes easier. Mm. So yeah, I'm present with Chester right now. There you go. Hello, Chester. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Deb. Chester. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Hello, you're famous, Chester. There's your 15 <laughs> seconds of fame. Every, every cat's dream, right? <laughs> Thank you, Deb, and thank you mm. for all you have dared to mm -hmm. share yes. uh, in the past and mm. in the now. Mm. And you're, well, why I called you, why I said I want you part of this. It's just like mm. instantly when I connected with Michael's energy, was like, oh my God, this has got to be Deb, right? She's got to mm. be involved with this. That So thank you. And well, thank you. Here. This has been such an honor to be with both of you. Mm. Mm. Yeah, same. Yeah, and, and I'll say, yeah, turbo same, following the heart, right? Like you talked about Dar doing and like you did, mm. just said, I got I to gotta talk to this guy. Mm. You know, I don't have a big giant show or podcast to share this all to everybody, but I had a calling that said, I'm supposed to talk to this guy. Mm. And, and for whatever, wherever this goes or whoever's touched by any of this, it's all just about following that, that moment, just like you did to Dare to Make a Documentary where you'd never done documentaries before, right? You told us before we came on the, before we came on, I didn't do any of this. I didn't even know what B-roll was, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't even know anything, but I got the calling and I went. In, in that moment, in that feeling of presence that says, this is what I'm supposed to do. And, and then doing it and following mm -hmm. that moment, following that thread, following that mm -hmm. presence, to be you somebody's mm. got to be you <laughs> right mm. so thanks for being you mm. and and thank you for how that's touched my life with your with your documentary and and with all that's coming from that mm. because it doesn't stop mm. right mm. and as much as 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 sometimes we might wish that it would right you you've now taken those steps and you're into new worlds and however that shows up for you in whatever you choose to, to share and not share, mm. that, that you're doing it perfectly. Mm. That, that, that it's beautiful to get to connect with you and know that I have a new, a new moment, a new present moment friend that I know will bring me to my presence, uh, like Deb has done for the years now that we've played. And, and thank you. And, and what a joy living in the time of dying. Because we get real when we know it's ending. Right. We get real. We get real. And there's all the hugs, right? Oh, I'm leaving now. Now I can tell you how much I really love you. And I really want to give you a big hug. But we only met for two hours. But I didn't want to tell you that an hour and a half ago, because then I would have had to sit in the fact that I admitted that I love you. 
for a whole hour and a half. Well, wait till I'm in the car. Oh, by the way, you're the greatest. Right, and here we are as a species navigating that same thing. And mm. it's beautiful to be here with you right now, Michael. Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, um, thank you both. Thank you both. It's been just sort of so lovely to um, hang out in this conversation. You know, there's not many people that I can hang out in these sorts of conversations with still. Uh, it's, a, it's a very small group of people that I get to do that with. And um, it's just been, you know, a delight to feel uh, the extended community, you know, across the globe on this. Um, yeah, and on that point, real quick, quick before you finish, there's, there are groups, there are live, I'm part of a live Zoom call that happens 12 hours a day called theconversation.cc. Mm where we're daring to say anytime, come, you can meet tribe who will talk about this. Mm. And I want to have you on there to say, we want to do a movie night and share your movie and then sit with this group of people and right. talk about it. Right. right. And, and these kinds of connections are happening now because content we're overflowed with content. Mm. And now we want connection mm. and connection comes mm. from this daring to be present with someone face to face and mm. say, wow, how does it feel? Does it feel to be you? What are you going through? Mm. It's completely different than what I'm going mm. through, probably, mm. and maybe not at all, <laughs> mm. right? And so thank you and know that, that there's more happening with that. And, and in that, please continue putting the bow on this beautiful talk with, with mm. us. Mm. Well, you know, what to say, you know, that hasn't been said. Um, you know, I'm just thinking of this, um, you know, I'm just thinking of Dars coming into my mind right now and that, and that whole message that he had about the, you know, the importance of listening. And, you know, you, know, you listen, uh, you contact me, Deb, you listen and you write your blog and then you follow it up with your book and um, all these actions that come through us, um, first of all, come from that deep listening, that deep feeling about what's true. And... Um, so, you know, I, 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 you know, if I think about, you know, how I want to be, it's to keep coming back to that listening and acting from that place as, as much as I can, as, you know, as, as deeply as I can. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Mm. Yes. That's really well said, Michael, mm. that the listening is what starts it, mm. right? Mm. And, and there's a sharper listening that's happening for a lot of people now. Mm. And with the sense that our time is short mm. or just shortened, mm -hmm. right? Mm. That is, there's a, there's a quicker draw to want to act on that listening that we don't have, we don't have forever. <laughs> I can, I can remember when this all hit me. It's like, I used to think a spirituality was something I was going to play with for the next 30 years. But all of a sudden, spirituality becomes a very present moment thing. Who am I? Who do I, who do I think I am? And what do I think I'm doing? Right? And when I can live from those questions in this moment, then every, every new listening, the listening is different, and therefore the actions are different. Ah, what a joy. Thank you both so very mm -hmm. much. Mm, thank you. Wonderful thank you. to speak with you. Yeah. yeah. Living in the time of dying.com. Check it out. Share with friends. Support this beautiful man and his 
this heartfelt mission and we'll be talking again soon, Michael. Uh, we will be, I'm sure of that. Yeah, <laughs> to each of you, yeah. Okay. Thanks, Michael. Well, Thanks, okay. Peter. Thank yeah. you. Good night. Bye. -bye. Bye.